In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, one God, Amen. Today is the second Sunday of the Great Fast, and we, as we go through um, the journey of the readings of the Great Fast, today we read about um, the temptations of Christ. We call it Temptation Sunday, where Christ is tempted by the devil as he is fasting in the wilderness, and he is tempted three times as he is fasting and praying. And we read about this in Matthew chapter 4. It says, And when he had fasted forty days and forty nights, afterward he was hungry. Now when the tempter came to him, he said, If you are the Son of God, command that these stones become bread. And, and what's notable about this is that the devil came at the time where Christ was the most weak, in the sense that when he was hungry, he waited until he was hungry, and then he came and tempted him with bread. He didn't come and tempt him at the beginning of the 40 days of fasting, when yet he was not yet hungry, but he waited until the very end of the 40 days, until the hunger was very strong in him. The other thing to note is specifically about this first temptation, about turning the stones into bread. There is nothing wrong with eating bread, and there would have been nothing wrong if Christ turned the stones into bread and ate them, because actually his fast was over. He had fasted the 40 days. If he had put in his mind that he was going to fast for 40 days and now the 40 days had passed, so what was so wrong with turning the stones into bread? The only reason it was wrong is simply because the devil was the one who told him to do it. And so he was giving in, or he would have given in, to what the devil was, was telling him, to the temptation of the devil, instead of being in control of himself. So one thing as we go through the great fast, one of the things that we learn is how to resist temptation. And this is temptation coming from the devil. How do we resi resist the voices of the devil speaking in us? And in order to help us do this, we have to understand him. We have to understand his motives. What is he doing and why is he doing it? One important thing to always remember is that the devil doesn't care about us at all. We are nothing to him. We're not on his radar at all. The only reason that he comes and tempts us and attempts to hurt us is because he wants to hurt God. The devil has something against God. The devil hates God. And so... Just as um, maybe uh, someone who uh, wants money from someone who is very rich, one of the ways to get this from him is to go and to kidnap his children and to hold them for ransom. And essentially that's what the devil is trying to do with us. He sees that God loves us so much, and so he knows that if, if he hurts us, then he can hurt God. There's nothing he can do to God directly. So he says, okay, I'm going to go and I'm going to harass your children. I'm going to go and be a snare to them so that they would lose their salvation and not be with you. It is not that the devil cares whether or not we go to heaven or not. What the devil cares about is he hurts, he wants to hurt God. He wants to be a, a sore in, 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 in God and in his plan from the very beginning. He's envious of what God has given us and he wants to mess up this plan that God has um, created for us. So as we experience the fast, as we go through the fast, we will experience temptation. Just as when Christ was fasting, this is the time where the devil came to him and he tempted him three times. So we have to understand who the devil is, that he is a tempter, that he will tempt. We read about in 1 John chapter 2, it says, For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. And we can see that each of these three aspects of temptation, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life, are the three ways that the devil tempted Christ when he was in the wilderness. The first is the lust of the flesh. Okay, This is when the devil is coming to, uh, to Christ and offering him bread. 
And he's saying, what? turn these stones into bread. Satisfy your hunger. Satisfy your lust, your desires, your physical desires. Satisfy it. And this is the lust of the flesh. This is one form of temptation. Then he, he, he tempted him also with the pride of life. He told him, throw yourself down from the temple. Why? So that the angels would come and that everyone in the world would see your glory. Everyone would see that you are God, that you are the Son of God. Isn't this what you want? And so instead of you being hidden, instead of your power being contained, instead of you leading this uh, life of um, like where, where, where you, are, you are not like actively demonstrating your power to a large number of people, instead you can demonstrate it. Jump from the top of the temple and all these angels will come and everyone acknowledge that you are God. And yet again, Christ refrained from doing this. And then also the lust of the eyes. The devil came to him and he told him, I will give you everything that you see in front of you, all the world, everything. I will give it to you if you come and you worship me. And again, Christ resisted. So these are the three main ways that the devil will tempt us. And all the other temptations fall under one of these three categories. The lust of the flesh, the desires of my flesh, the things that I want for myself, my physical desires, the pride of life, okay, the recognition that I want, the, the, the praise that I want, the glory that I want for myself, and also the lust of the eyes, the things that I want to obtain for myself. And, Christ, and the devil will tempt us in one of these ways. And so let's look at each one a little bit. First is the lust of the flesh. Okay? This is my desire for pleasure. My desire for pleasure. And we ask ourselves, what am I willing to sacrifice for the pleasure that I seek to have? And this is what, where we get into the problems of temptation. It's, it's not just about the actions that we do, but is that what we sacrifice in order to do those actions. Right? There's always, there's always something else that I should be doing during those times where I'm sinning that is, I'm sacrificing in order to do the sin. And how much are we focused on the desires of our flesh? How much am I focused on? Is my life about gaining physical pleasure for myself in one way or the other? And this physical pleasure doesn't necessarily have to be sinful pleasure. Simply consumed, being consumed and spending all of our time seeking after activities just for my comfort is in itself something that, again, I'm wasting my life. I'm wasting my time. I'm seeking after luxury everywhere, okay, the, to, to satisfy the lust of my flesh, to give me physical pleasure. The other one, the pride of life, okay, I ask myself, am I always seeking recognition for something that I've done? Am I always trying to prove that I'm better than other people? Am I comparing myself with other people? Am I seeking control of other people and headship over others? Um, am I refusing to submit to God's authority? Am I rebellious? Am I believing that I know better than God? And when God gives me a commandment, I, I kind of am puffed up and I, and I don't believe that this commandment that God is giving me is either good or possible for me to do and I neglect it, I ignore it. And finally, the lust of the eyes. Am I always seeking to obtain more? Am I seeking to amass wealth that I believe that I'm going to keep with me forever even though that I know that I'm going to lose it? So these three aspects are the main ways that the devil tempts us just as he tempted Christ. So what are some things we have to remind ourselves when it comes to this spiritual warfare? One is that Satan's power is limited. Satan's power is limited. We read about this in the book of Job, actually in chapter 1, verse 12. It says, And the Lord said to Satan, Behold, all that he has is in your power. Only do not lay a hand on his person. When Job wanted to go, and uh, when the devil wanted to go and tempt Job, God gave him the, the, uh, the allowance. He told him, yes, you may go and tempt him, but what? Do not lay a hand on his person, meaning do not kill him. Okay. So 
we have to remember that the devil is not completely out of God's control. He's not like rogue going you know, his own way and there's nothing God can do about it. No, actually everything that the devil did, does, God is allowing it. God is allowing it. And for those who love God, God is turning it into something that is for their own good. And he knew that in the end that Job would prevail. And he knew that actually Job would be an example to all of us that when we read his book about how to suffer and still be thankful to God and how we suffer and find purpose in our suffering, that this would be a benefit to us even as we read about what he's done. So the devil does not have completely free reign to do whatever it is that he pleases. But God has reined him in and put him in bondage so that he can only do what God allows him to do. So therefore we know that that the things that the devil tempts us with are things that we definitely can overcome and that God has allowed for a reason and for a time for us to grow and struggle against him and to prevail against him. Another, uh, another thing to know about spiritual warfare is that God protects us from Satan. He protects us. In 2 Thessalonians chapter 3, verse 3, But the Lord is faithful, who will establish you and guard you from the evil one. He will establish us and guard us from the evil one. And so we ask ourselves, how does he guard us from the evil one? Well, there's many ways. For instance, he's opened the church for us. He allows us to go to the church as a safe haven, as a place to flee from the devil, as a place to hear about the word of God, as a place to take communion of the body and blood of Christ, as a place to come to confession. And I want to focus a little bit on confession as one of the ways that God protects us from Satan. The idea of accountability is something very important in our struggle against the devil. I have to feel that I am accountable because even though God sees me all the time, no matter where I go, there's something about us humans that because God is invisible, we somehow and sometimes believe that he doesn't really see and he is not really there and he's absent. And so it's much easier for us to sin in the eyes of God than it is to speak about our sins or to sins in the eyes of man. How, how, how many of the sins that we commit are done in private versus how many do we do in public? And maybe when we're in public and even when we're tempted with sin, it comes to my mind, well, I should not do this because the eyes of the people are on me and what would the people say about me? And maybe we have this in our mind when it comes to being tempted with sin. And yet when we're alone, maybe we don't think this way. So why is that? It's because our eyes tell us that there's people around and we, we feel that we are embarrassed to sin in front of people. But actually, we should be equally embarrassed to sin in front of God, actually more embarrassed. And yet we don't. We don't. It doesn't click in our mind. This is why accountability is so important. Accountability is important because I will decide that every sin that I commit, I'm going to go and tell it to my father of confession. And so I never really feel that I'm alone. Whatever I sin now, I know that I will reveal later. And because I follow up with him on a regular basis, it will help me to overcome sin over time because I can't make excuses and I can't hide. I can't hide from, from the eyes of someone who's going to see what it is that I'm going to do. This is one of the ways that God protects us from the attacks of the devil. That even though we might fall, we rise again and we, we confess our sins and we continue in the spiritual struggle. Another thing we have to remember is that God has already defeated Satan. You know, when we speak about a war, this is not a war between two enemies that are equally matched. The devil has already lost. Uh, we read in Colossians 2.15, Having disarmed principalities and powers, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them in it. Speaking about the cross, 
that in, in the cross, in Christ's crucifixion, he has already defeated the devil. The devil is already defeated. The devil might not realize that he is defeated, but he is defeated. And so we have all been given salvation. We have all the doors of salvation, the doors of heaven are open to us. Now it is up to us to enter into it, to enter into it. Meaning God has given us very simple steps that it is that we must do in order to enter into paradise. And it is up for us to do it. God has done the, the impossible. God has done the hard work. God has done what only he could do. But he is not going to do what it is that we can do. Our part of salvation is, is, is only for us. It's not for God. God has done his part. God has, God has reconciled us with the Father. Christ has reconciled us with the Father. And now he's opened for us the gates of salvation and the doors of heaven. And he says, come, come in to heaven. How do we go into heaven? How do we go into heaven? All the things that the church teaches us that we must do for, for salvation. We have to do those things. And we have to persevere in them to the last breath. This is what God has, has appointed us to do for our salvation. Not just that we do nothing. Not just that we rely on only what God has done. This is why during this time of the great fast, this is why we fast. This is why we struggle. This is why we confess. This is why we pray. This is why we read. This is why we enrich ourselves. Because we want to grow closer to God and to take hold of this salvation that God has appointed for us. This is why repentance again is so important. None of us is perfect and none of us will stop sinning in our life. But we have to always persevere in repentance and spiritual struggle in order for us to hold on to the salvation that Christ has fulfilled for us. So what are some ways that we can resist temptation? One, we have to always be alert. We have to always be alert. We have to live our life with the knowledge that the devil is real. That he is real. Just as God is real, just as you and I are real, the devil is also a real person. He's a being. He's not just a, an, you know, a, a concept. You know, sometimes people and even Christians, they believe that the devil is like a concept. Like the concept of evil, the existence of evil in the world. Actually, the devil is not a concept. The devil is a person, an individual, with a mind and with a will and with desires and with a lot of power. And he seeks to destroy us. Just as we read about maybe dictators in other countries that want to destroy America, like, like uh, in North Korea or, or wherever, an individual person who is behind evil, an individual person who wants to destroy, right? The devil is, is him, is an individual. If we read in 1 Peter chapter 5, Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, walks about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. So not only is he a real person, but he is like a lion, a hungry lion, who is seeking to whom he, may, he wants to devour, who wants to consume. And so we, if we are the prey, if we are like prey of a lion, and we know that we are being, that he want, we want to be consumed, we have to walk carefully. You know, we have to walk carefully. We have to be looking out for this lion. You know, is the lion is about to come? Is the lion about to consume me? Is he about to devour me? I'm, I'm not strong to stand up against him. And this is one of the... Uh, one of the pitfalls that we as Christians fall into is that we believe that we are strong to evade him or we are strong to stand up and confront him. We are not strong. We have to always be careful and, and, and alert so that whenever the temptation comes, we flee from it. And to avoid situations of temptation and to, to, to struggle in this process of, of, of fighting against temptation. So being aware of the devil, of who he is and his motives and intentions toward us and the ways that he operates and not to consider ourselves strong to stand up against him. These are all things that are very important in the spiritual struggle of how to resist temptation. 
Another is through our spiritual activity. The way that we fight against the devil is not one-on-one. -on -one. We can't fight him. Again, like imagine like a scenario if you've ever watched like documentaries um, with lions consuming their prey. Okay, like a lion like seeking after a deer and, and killing the deer or a sheep and killing the sheep. The sheep has absolutely no chance against the lion. There's nothing that the sheep can do or there's nothing that the deer can do to fight the lion. The lion is already, I mean, once the lion sees the, the deer, the deer is dead. There's nothing. We're like this. There's no way we can fight. So the spiritual activity that we do is for what purpose? Is to bring God into the fight. It's so that God, who is the one who can stop the lion, who is the one who can protect us from the lion, to come into our life. When Christ is speaking to the disciples, he tells them what in Matthew 26, Watch and pray, lest you enter into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. When we watch and pray, what are we doing? We are asking God to come into this fight. We're asking God, come and protect me from the lion, because I cannot fight the lion by myself. And this is why prayer is so important, and all spiritual activity that we do is so important. It's not because we are actively fighting the devil directly. No, it's because we're asking God to come in and to be with us in the fight. All these spiritual activities that we, we read about and we speak about all the time, that maybe we take for granted, like prayer. In prayer, I ask God to come into my spiritual battle. Come and help me with my spiritual battle. Fasting, I'm trying to what? I'm trying to discipline my flesh and in this, I'm asking God, come into my spiritual battle. Reading spiritual books to transform my thoughts. So instead of my thoughts always be focusing about secular things, or focusing about what's happening in the news, or focusing on my problems, or focusing on you know the things I want, or the things that I don't want, or my worries. No, instead I'm going to fill my mind with things that are going to remind me of God, and the way that God works, and why we are here. And, and to kind of pull myself out of like this environment of the world and remind myself that I have a greater purpose than what is in the world. Uh, taking communion. Again, I'm bringing God into me. I'm bringing God into me so that he is fighting for me. Serving other people. Reminding myself that I'm showing love to other people. I'm showing the love of God to them. Fellowship with the body of Christ, that I'm in union with the people around me, that I forgive my enemies, that I'm getting over grudges that I have with people, and I remain in fellowship with those people to be united together in the body. All these things, all these spiritual activities are important to, to, to bring God into my life more and more so that he can fight my spiritual battles for me. It is not that I'm trying to end sin on my own. It's not, my goal is not, I want to be sinless. That is not my goal. My goal is not that I'm just going to keep trying really hard until I stop sinning a certain sin that's plaguing me. That's not the point. The point is as I'm bringing God into my life and as I do this, I am successful. Even though I still have sin because I've learned to repent. I, repentance is, is something I learn to do on a regular basis and that is the goal. To reach a point where prayer and fasting and repentance and all these things are routine and natural in my life. Then I can say I'm, I'm, I'm walking the path of salvation. It has nothing to do with how many sins I committed today. It has to do with am I walking the path of salvation with God or not. Another way to resist temptation is through faith. It's through faith. We always feel like we want to be in control. But again, when we're fighting this line, we, we cannot be. 
In 1 Corinthians 10 verse 13, it says, No temptation has overtaken you, except such as is common to man, but God is faithful, who, is, uh, who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able, but the temptation will also make the way of escape, that you may be able to bear it. So this temptation, how is it that we have a way of escape? That what God is telling us is that with every temptation, there is a way to get out of it. There's a way to flee from it. How is that, how is that possible? Maybe many of us have faced temptations that we felt there was no way to escape, that it was inevitable. Or we have a bad habit or an addiction or to something, and it's inevitable. How is it that we are going to resist this temptation? Well, many times the way of escape has started before the temptation begins. So, you know, like in uh, apartment buildings where they have like those uh, fire escape metal stairs that are on the side of the building, just in case there's a fire that you can go on those stairs and you can climb down and you will escape the fire. And that was thought of ahead of time that somebody thought, oh, well, in case there's a fire, we have to have these stairs here so people can use them to escape from the fire. So it's already a pre-planned escape. If we don't do any planning, if we don't do any thought about this, and we just walk naively into a fire, and we find ourselves going to suffocate to death, and we ask God, well, why didn't you allow me to escape? Well, I was a fool to enter into this without having planned ahead of time. So if I know myself, and I know my weaknesses, and I'm, I'm, I'm focusing on these spiritual activities on a daily basis, even when there is no temptation, then this is my fire escape. This is the way for me to escape temptation because I'm prepared for escape before even the temptations come. And this is the most important kind of escape. I can't just walk naively into a difficult temptation and expect that I'm going to be able to come out of it. This is why the, the, the most work that we can do to escape temptation happens before the temptation even arises. Happens just in my daily routine. Finally, resistance to temptation brings reward. Brings reward. Sometimes, again, we, we wonder, why is it God allowing me to go through all this temptation? Does He not want me to sin? Actually, we grow in periods of temptation. God wants us to learn how to grow. In Job, the example that we spoke at the very beginning, God allowed Job to grow and have a deeper understanding of him through the temptations that he faced. And actually in Job chapter 42, when Job, after all of his calamities are done, he says what? I had heard of you by the hearing of the ear, but now my eye sees you. Job knew God at the beginning, but it was like he heard about him as a story. But now after having gone through temptation, he says, what? But now my eye sees you. Like now I have a deeper understanding of you. Now I have an experience of God that I never had before. So God allows us to go through temptation. It's not that God wants us to sin. And it's not that God is the one tempting us. But he is allowing the devil freedom in order to tempt us to a degree. And he uses this temptation to allow us to grow, to allow us to learn more about God. In James chapter 1, he says, Blessed is the man who endures temptation, for when he has been approved, he will receive the crown of life, which the Lord has promised to those who love him. So God sees our spiritual struggle. He sees the warfare that we are in, and he promises to reward us when we come out of that successful. So keep in mind, what is the reward for? The reward is for the endurance. The reward is for the struggle. Even if we never overcome the sin, even if we never completely overcome sin, we will never completely overcome sin. There will always be more sins in my life that, I had, I, that still remain. But it's the process, it's the struggle, it's the fight that God wants us to wage. 
and in that fight and in that resistance and in that endurance of temptation, then that is how I benefit and that is how I grow closer to God and understand Him so that it is not only by the ear that we hear God, but we see God with our eyes. And glory be to God forever. Amen.